I always want to keep going with that song. Just, you know, just get you all excited and inspired. And Thank you, Don, for the songs. Just a word about this evening, and as Mike mentioned in the announcements about the Pray 31 booklet, and I pray that you are using that. Uh, if you uh, have others in your home, husband, wife, or even children who might be using it, uh, remind one another, we're doing that. Did you do your prayer yet today? You know, we're in this together. Encourage one another. So uh, please use the book. Um, it's, I'm finding it very good, and just the idea that we're doing this every day is uh, encouraging to me. And as Shirley mentioned, you just wonder how many people throughout this country are actually doing this. As you open up that book on day eight or day nine and read those words and see what the prayer, the focus of the prayer is to be for that day. So please use that. And then uh, this evening is our monthly prayer assembly. And uh, I'm encouraging the brothers that will be leading prayers. This is going to be the focus of our prayers tonight. Is about the country, about the nation, about the upcoming election and, and our problems. Even as Mike prayed, we, we've, as we've been praying, we have a lot of problems in this country. Huge problems that I think we have all come to understand that only God can correct. And so uh, we need to pray to him for sure. All right, let's go to Romans 8 then. You can follow along with your little ticket. By the way, the tickets are always free. Did you ever notice that? You never have to pay for them. We were talking the other day about maybe selling season tickets. <laughs> but, you know, anyway. Romans 8, uh, 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. You know, some things in Scripture, I should say many things in Scripture, we, uh, we find them too good to be true and maybe even too big, as we say, to get our heads around and maybe not understanding it fully. And I think we really uh, do ourselves harm in, the, in those we teach harm by thinking that we understand every last thing about every Scripture because this Word of God is so deep and broad. Uh, but this is one of those things here as we talk about being sons of God. And now, ladies, you're included in this. All right? 
because this is nothing more than a reference to the Hebrew uh, inheritance idea in which the inheritance went to the oldest son, okay? Most of it anyway. So that's all this is. But now in Christ, everyone, male and female, are considered sons of God because you get an inheritance with Christ. I was looking at this in and, and here, and then we're going to read in Galatians 3 later. It says, you are sons of God. In Hosea, there's a prophecy that Paul speaks of later in Romans 9, where he says, you will be called sons of God. But here in Romans and Galatians, it says, you are sons of God. I don't know if there's a big difference in that. But it's a done deal, and it's a certain thing. That you are, if you're in Christ, a son of God. And here Paul enumerates, uh, although not in a kind of a list, but there are blessings and privileges here from being sons of God. We're led by the Holy Spirit. That would be in the path of life, the narrow way that leads to God, back to God, and to life eternal. We have the power of God to put to death the deeds of the body. And we've talked about that at different times, the power of the Spirit to do that. We can call out to God, Abba, Father. And you can look in Mark 14, I think also maybe in Matthew, but I know Mark has it for sure. Do you remember who else used that expression in Scripture? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus himself, when he was so uh, suffering there and struggling, his prayer was, Abba, Father, could be your will. Let this cup pass. And as sons of God, we are privileged to call God Abba, which is an endearing term, a term of closeness. And we should use that term. And understand that God is our Father. And he loves us. So we're sons of God. We've been given the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. You know, this takes us to a whole different place of prayer, doesn't it? Prayer is just not some ritualistic thing that we say a few words over and over again the same way at the same time. This is about you talking to God, your Father, when you have a need, when you really want to thank Him for something great that has happened in your life. You go to Abba, and you praise his name, and you say, Lord, thank you, or Lord, I need your help. Moving on, we're heirs with Christ. You know, this has to do with life eternal, but what all that might mean, we've talked before about new heavens and a new earth and what lies in store for us. Marvelous, wonderful things that we can't even imagine we can't even imagine the goodness of God that he's away. You know, we read about that in Corinthians. Eyes not seen nor ear heard. It should be our hope and our focus. There is a future. If we suffer with Christ, wow, we sometimes say, oh, that's the bummer. I don't know about that one. But you know what? That's an honor. It is. 
to suffer with Christ and in the name of Christ. And we should see it that way and view it that way and understand it that way. Because Christ in his suffering did an honorable thing, didn't he? He stood against, he suffered because he stood against evil, didn't he? He, he didn't suffer just because he was a nice guy and came and fed people. He suffered because he pointed out the evil among men. And he called people to repentance. And of course he gave his life then as the propitiation for our sin. But, you know, he, he was rejected by his own people and of course the Romans didn't want anything to do with him either. And that's why he died. And so we should suffer even as Peter writes, not because we do good things, but because we are standing against evil. If we suffer that way as a Christian, in the name of Christ, wearing his name, God bless you. That's a privilege. Because then, as he says in 17, as we end this reading, we may also be glorified with him as sons of God. You know, we could, we could have spread this lesson over three or four weeks. You think about the glory that's going to come to Jesus. Remember he wrote, written in Colossians about all things will be summed up in him. Everything was made for him and so forth. In 1 Corinthians 15, all enemies be gathered under his feet. You know, that everything's going to be his. It all comes to Jesus. And we're going to share in that. Whatever he receives from the Father, as his having kept the Father's will perfectly and come here and become flesh and rescued the human race and even the creation as I see it, so that it might be restored, we're going to share in that. What a blessing to be a son of God. Okay, we can say all those things, and I know we can learn from that, but sometimes, even as some of you have said, we need a visual we need to be able to see something. And I think this is, again, one reason why Jesus taught so much in parables. Because he told a story, and you kind of envision a story. You know, a sower went forth to sow, and then uh, there was the wheat and the tares, and you can see that. And then you can see the dragnet was put into the sea. And you can remember those pictures, those images in your mind. And that helps us a lot. So today we're going to have kind of a visual here about what this means to be a son of God. And I hope it's pretty decent. Uh, I have to give credit to uh, Michael Lloyd in one of his books for this little picture. Uh, I've added a few scriptures to it and kind of adjusted a little bit, but nevertheless, I have to give him credit for that. And uh, if you are so inclined when we're done here and you have your smartphone and you want to take a picture of this on our board, you can do that and maybe share it with somebody. To look at this picture properly, we have to look first of all to Trinity. Very quickly. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. All right, this, you know, some people with this verse kind of struggle with three persons of God. You know, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. 
or the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But as Scripture unfolds and Jesus came and so forth, we understand that this one does not mean just one person, but it means a unity, a wholeness, or a oneness. That God can never be divided. God can never be separated. God can never be broken apart. And it's the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit that holds them together. Love is the binding force. I got you there, Mark 1, 9 through 11. I'm not going to go there and read that. Most of you remember that's the baptism of Jesus. And it's very, very clearly seen there. The three persons of God all at the same time. So we understand that they are separate persons. Jesus, of course, is in the flesh as Jesus of Nazareth being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. And then we have the Holy Spirit descending, it says, in the form of a dove coming down as if to anoint Jesus as the Christ, the chosen one. And then we have the voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. So, you know, it's... Again, that's, that's a good verse to go to or a good section of scripture to go to to see the, the three persons of God unfold and understand there are, there are three persons of God. As you read through, especially the New Testament, you see that very clearly. So, there are three persons of God and that love is the binding force for the three persons of God. Now, let me turn this over. I got part of this drawn already. pray it doesn't take off. Okay. Now as you can see, as we said, love is the binding force there within the Godhead. And I asked some of the, the young men to read for me this morning here. Who has the first John 4, 7 and 8? Is that Brian? Brian, would you read that out for us? Okay, thank you. Love is of God, and then God is love. Notice the scripture doesn't say that God is loving, or that God is caring, which he is. He's talking here about the essence of God. God is love. I'm fairly certain, because I've I've had this in the back of my mind as I read scripture and study scripture. There is nowhere else in the Bible where God is equated with another noun. We read God is holy or God is righteous or other words like that, but never that God is love. And so I see this as being the essence of God And as we said, that which binds the Godhead together 
the love flowing from the Father to the Son, the Son back to the Father, the Father to the Spirit, Spirit to the Son, and so forth and so on. That this is the essence of God, love. I think I've shared this before, that uh, the Islamic God, Allah, is one person in their mind. And they are very much opposed to this thought. Okay? The question that I have is, could our God really be our God if he was only one person? Because if God existed in eternity, all by himself, which he did before we came along, before he decided to bring us into the picture and the whole universe, who would he love? How would he know what love was if there was no one to love? You see? The three persons sharing love and eternity, a perfect oneness and unity. That's what binds God together because they absolutely love one another. They would never do anything to hurt one another. They would only promote one another in all their goodness. In all their goodness. We have a couple of scriptures there. Uh, John 5.20. Who's got that? Is that Brad? Okay. The Father loves the Son. We shouldn't doubt it, but there it is in Scripture. And then uh, Bill has the next one there, John 14. All right, thank you. So there, so the world may know that I, meaning Jesus speaking there, I love the Father. Okay? Father loves the Son, Son loves the Father. Over there on the right we see the Holy Spirit, and there from Galatians chapter 5, fruit of the Spirit, what's the first one mentioned? Love, joy, peace, right? Love. So this is the visual we have of the Godhead. We might, we might have drawn this with three big circles that overlap, which maybe I think might be a little bit better. But nevertheless, this is what we're going to work with here. Now, you might be wondering, where do we fit in? Okay, you, you may have seen drawings like this before. You may try to understand the Godhead or the Trinity. And uh, I hope that you have been studied on that because it's not, it's not easy to grasp. Got one scripture's not up there. It's the one from Galatians 3, and let's turn there. And then we're going to see where you as a son of God fit in. Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God, there it is again, okay, through faith in Christ Jesus, of course that's where it starts, there's more to it than that, but that's the bottom line of it, you have to believe in him and you're trusting him 
not yourself, trusting what he did. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is so key. If you do some research in the New Testament about the phrase either into Christ or in Christ, you will be amazed at how often that phrase is, those two phrases are used. And to understand that there are so many things that are in Christ. Salvation, sanctification, righteousness, forgiveness, etc., etc., etc. In Christ is where all the good stuff is. It's where all the spiritual blessings are, Ephesians chapter 1, in the heavenly places, in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have those. I'm sorry. But that's what the Word of God says. If you're not in Christ, you don't have those. How do we get into Christ? Paul just told us here. We have faith, and then we are baptized into Christ. So let's see what this looks like. So where are you? Now. Do you see it? The next scripture in 1 John we'll talk about, but you now participate in the love of the Godhead which is where God has always wanted you to be. You are now in Christ, a son of God, and receive all the blessings that come through Christ. Isn't that amazing? 1 John 1. You know, we read this now, and some of this becomes clearer and more exciting. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John's thinking back. You know, he was there with Jesus. The word of life, the word became flesh. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Okay, again, that's Jesus, the eternal life. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. Okay, that's what we should do, right? Proclaim the gospel, proclaim what they saw and heard. So that you too may have fellowship with us. The word fellowship means a joint participation, a sharing. And of course, in this case, it's talking about sharing in all the good things that the people of God have all the blessings of the people of God to to share in our spiritual journey. 
But then notice the last part of chapter or verse 3. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. A sharing together with the Father and the Son. Fellowship in Christ. Participating in the love of God and receiving all the blessings that are going to come to Christ. Heirs with Christ, you see. Whatever he's going to get, we're going to get part of it. Sons of God. That ought to get us excited, you know. That ought to be a message we can tell people. You know, you know, it's looking like right now things are, you know, we still have blessings and food, clothing, and so forth, but our country's on a nosedive. But you know what? You're a son of God. you got a future. Your future's bright. You have life. You're going you're to share with Christ. You're a son of God. You're participating there. You know, Peter talked about being partakers of the divine nature. Wow. We're moving in that direction. We're fellowshipping with God. You know, so just, just being baptized into Christ and, you know, coming to church... It's bigger than that, isn't it? It's much bigger than that. It's about you and your life with God and in God. What a tremendous thought. What a great gift that God gives to us. Let's look at John 14 as we kind of close this out. As I said, there's so, so much more we can look at, but maybe after seeing this, as you read Scripture and study... More of these things will come home and we'll really understand what God is trying to give us in Christ that he wants to share. John 14, 20. Listen to Jesus' words here. In that day, he's talking about a day to come. Uh, he's going to be sending them the Holy Spirit to uh, explain to them these things and guide them into all truth. In that day, you will know that I am in the, my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That's fellowship. I think that's by the Holy Spirit of God. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. In other words, you will come to know me. Who I am. We've talked about knowing God. We had a little study on knowing God. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Fellowship. Sharing. Receiving the gift of the Spirit. Being one with the Father. You know what Jesus prayed? We could go to John 17. I pray that, that they might be one with us, Father, even as you are and I. Remember that? That we all might be one. The unity of God. 
That's what he's talking about. The love of God. And when we think about the love of God, you know, the Father's never going to let us down, is he? Because he says, I, I love you. For God so loved the world. God is love. He's going to love us, and he's not going to let us down. In this reverse, we should understand that we are called to love the Lord our God, right, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the love that God has for us should be the same love that binds us to him, and we should never want to let him down. That that is what should bind us to the Father and to the Son and to the Spirit. The love of God. It is the strongest force on earth. Love. What did Jesus say? Greater love, can't quote it exactly than this, has no man except that he laid down his life for his friends. That's a lot of love. Sons of God, enjoy the love of the Father. The protection of the Father. Yes, the discipline of the Father. And the blessing of the Father. We share in the future glory of Jesus, the Son of God. We share in his work, in his life, in his sufferings. We have the Spirit of God to lead us and to help us, and who will bear his fruit in us. If you are a son of God, then what a blessing and privilege you have. And I pray this lesson helps you to see more clearly what you have and be able to share that with others. That you really have a hope and a future, and you're going to be blessed beyond anything you can think of when that day comes. If you're not a son of God, maybe this little lesson and this visual will help you to see what God has in store for his people. Okay? If you've not been baptized into Christ, you're not a son of God. I don't know how to say it any more plainly or in any other way. The scripture says this again and again. That's what you need to do. By faith, we're sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Do you believe in Christ Jesus? That he is Savior, Lord, conquered sin in the flesh and was raised from the dead. And he invites you to come. Maybe it's time for you to come this morning. If not, maybe you want to give me a call later this afternoon or sometime this week. But let this sink in. Consider life as a son of God. Maybe you are a child of God and, wow, you've been astray and you're not loving the Father the way you should, then maybe you want us to pray with you. If you want to respond this morning, let us know while Brother Don leads us.